<laughs> Something's wrong with my thermometer? Okay, okay. But I, I can tell you that we only had about five sunny days in all of the time that we were in Florida. I was cold a lot of the time we were there. <laughs> Humidity at 60 degrees is cold. <laughs> well, I guess I should say 60 degrees when you have humidity is cold. And one night it got down to, I think, 49 with humidity. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cold. But um, we had a wonderful time, and we were able to uh, go to two wonderful, wonderful church services. We were with the first Sunday that I wasn't here. Um, we were with the Rathbuns in Palm Coast. And, wow, is their church splitting at the seams. Oh, they, it is awesome. They, they, they have a, just so many young people, and I'm sure that the boys' age, Stuart and Colby, that age is just drawing in young people, but the, just a beautiful, beautiful church, and uh, that, it was awesome, awesome to be. And then our, our summer folks, Barb and Lee, our second Sunday, we went to spend time with them in Malabar, and uh, they go to church in Palm Bay. Uh, David Myers, I believe, is the pastor there. And uh, uh, yes, it, it wonderful service. Now they they have six, seven hundred people, and so uh, what a big change. But it wasn't completely full there. But at the Rathbuns, it was bursting at the seams. So in wonderful services, the Lord moved and blessed, and. Um, I was very thankful that my husband went with me for both of those services, so that was awesome that uh, that um, he he joined me. So we have you have new student handbooks for a new set of lessons for today, and this series one is about God's holiness and ours. So we're going to be looking at holiness. And today's lesson is our holy God. We serve a holy God. Now there are a lot of sections of scripture that you could look at, and we're gonna we're gonna mention a few of those, but our lesson text is found in Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah chapter six. This is a, a favorite section of scripture of mine. Um in it's it, I say it's a favorite section of scripture of mine, but this Bible that I've bought for myself when I was about 15 with money I saved from birthday and Christmas money, and um, not one verse in that chapter is highlighted or underlined. So can I say it's my favorite? Uh, it must have been other Bibles that it really impacted me on. <laughs> there, was, there was a large time of frame in my life where I had gotten to the place that I actually couldn't read this anymore. Um, but thankfully, my eye, my vision has changed enough back to maybe a little bit of what it used to be that I can read it again. Um, you, have, you have favorite Bibles? Yeah. I remember, was it last year, Sister Glover, that you had yours rebound? Yeah. I, I almost wish I had done that because I, I resorted to black duct tape when the covers started falling off of mine. I could still do it. I could still do it. Um, duct tape works really good. 
<laughs> and the in inside has clear packing tape to hold the, the cover on in the front. But anyway, well, let's pray and ask the Lord to um, be with us today and help us to hear and receive this lesson. It's, it's again, it's very impactful. I, this is a, a highlight of the impact that the holiness of God can have in our lives. And in, in the little bit of contrast of, of what the precursor to Isaiah chapter 6. But Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word together. To know and understand who you are. Your holiness and the impact that your spirit and your presence can have on our lives if we are willing to let you touch us. And I pray that this lesson today, that it would find a lodging place in our hearts. And we give you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Our focus verse is Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5. And Isaiah is saying, then said I. We'll talk about what happened precursor to this verse in a moment. But he is saying, this is what my response. Then said I, woe is me. Do you remember the times that we have done that? Woe is me. For I am undone. Things are falling apart. Things are trouble in my life. Because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The truth about this lesson, the truth that's coming out of this lesson is that God is holy. And then the truth that we need for our lives coming out of this lesson is I will humble myself in worship before a holy God. So this series is talking about a life of holiness. Is our life of holiness is rooted in communion with God. We cannot be who we need to be unless we have and make time to commune with a holy God. That's how things change in our lives. The icebreaker. Have you ever crashed a party or ended up somewhere totally uninvited? Now, you hear a lot about crashing weddings. You didn't get an invitation, but, you know. Or maybe you are in an area and you see one happening. Now, this is I've never done this, and I don't know if anybody here has ever done that, but I have heard that you, people do that. And, oh, there's, there's, there's a reception, and they just, just go barge right in, you know, or, or there's a party going on. Uh, now, when we have events in, in the public, we want people to come by. But not every party that's held in a public place wants to be crashed. <laughs> we, 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 we want people to come. 
But, you know, I don't know. How, how does that feel? Well, I, I don't know that I've ever done it, so I don't know how exactly. But how could, how would you feel? I, I triumphed over this, you know. Hey, I got away with it. I don't know. I don't know how it would feel. But, but interesting perspective of something where you end up in something unusual in an, a situation you weren't planning on or something unusual happens in your life. And I believe that that is what Isaiah experienced right here. Is that he saw the Lord. Now, if you study about Isaiah and you look at the first five chapters of Isaiah, presuming that these chapters are recorded for us in the order of his life, not every book of Scripture is recorded in a chronological time. I mean, the, the, the way the Bible is put together generally is not chronological. And if you've ever... Um, you know, done, read a chronological Bible, um, you'll get a little bit of Genesis and then you go right into Job. <laughs> so, um, presuming that Isaiah is um, written as in, in chronological order of his life, which we cannot absolutely assume that. But in the first five chapters, he was already a prophet. He started this book as a prophet. But in chapter 6, he had a traumatic experience that brought about his meeting with God. This particular meeting with God that absolutely changed his life. If you look at verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah was a, a man who um, was from the area of around Jerusalem. So he could have been in and interacted with royalty. The, the kings of Judah. And he could have known them personally. And this gives the impression, and if you look at history, not so much in Scripture, but a history of Isaiah, there was a intimate friendship relationship with Uzziah and Isaiah. He knew him. He had interacted with him. And when Uzziah died. Studying about Isaiah, it says that his world was completely rocked. His mentor, his idol, I, I don't know the, the word to use, but we all have people that we look up to, that, that and King Uzziah was one of those men that Isaiah had looked up to. But God does not want us to have people that we put between us and him. 
And if we have that situation, people or things that we put between us and God, when they go away, we become devastated. If they fall or do something against what we, that image that we have of them, then we are devastated because this, but in reality, God wants to be the only one up here that we are looking to, that we are counting on. And so God met Isaiah when his life was devastated at the loss of the king. Now, I love this. And do you mind if I read it? Because I can't, I, I don't think I could ad-lib this any better than, than what it's put here in the lesson. The lesson connection. He walked deliberately across the courtyard, reveal, reveling, although he wouldn't admit it, in the gasps of recognition that followed. Do you see who that is? It can't be. This isn't a feast day. What is he wearing? He had to work to keep from smiling. As he approached the temple doors, his stride lengthened and quickened, even as his mood grew darker. The priests and Levites milling about the entrance were not used to seeing anyone hurrying into the temple. Their glances of puzzled annoyance quickly froze into horrified stares as they gasped at what was actually happening. Your majesty, what, what, where are you going? He's wearing an ephod and he's carrying incense? Quick, someone find Azariah. How dare they detain him, the king? Not since the days of great King David had the Philistines been brought to heel. Nor since the days of Solomon had the name of the Judean king been so widely known and praised. He couldn't help but glance over the corner at the tower at the edge of the city that had a catapult that was shining brand new there. It was high time in this man's mind put that someone put these uppity priests in their place and showed them what it meant to be a king. He burst through the doors of the temple with his head down, charging into the temple. I'm going to do this. 
The priests and the attending Levites scuttled out of his way. He stopped short with a startled gasp of his own. There stood old Azariah, his eyes blazing and his jaw firmly set, with 80 priests standing behind him. And Azariah stands up to King Uzziah and says, This is not your job. And the king, Uzziah, who if you read in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, he succeeded his father at 16 years old. He was a good king. He brought victory to Judah. He conquered areas. He reigned for 52 years. And the country was in wonderful shape. He built up cities. He built protections around the city of Jerusalem. So attacks coming against the city could be thwarted. And Judah was standing strong. But if you look at 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 16, Uzziah's thoughts were, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. And it was to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And in verse 17, And Azariah the priest went after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah, the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord." And you read further in what happened to Uzziah at that moment. At the moment that he charged into the temple and insisted that he was going to do it. That he was going to do something that he was better equipped to do. I'm going to do this. I am the king, and look what I have done. And from that moment on, he was carried out of the temple 
a leprous man. And history says that his son actually was regent as king of Judah for the rest of his life. And he was not seen in public anymore. He was a leper. He was an outcast among his people. The great King Uzziah charged in where he wasn't supposed to be and I'm going to do it my way. But we serve a holy God. We serve a holy God who puts things in order and in place. And this is the way it is with God. Now, in the Old Testament, in you, the, the service of the temple and the service of the tabernacle was very, very specific. Only certain people could do certain jobs. And if you read in, in, in Leviticus and in, in that where that the Levites were divided into families and this family had this job, they packed up these things. And these, this family took down the coverings and they took care of the posts that kept it. So God had a very specific way that things were to be. And Uzziah flew into the face of that in pride. Now, King David had been in the temple or in the tabernacle. And the priest had given him bread to eat that he should have not eaten. But it was the attitude it was the, I'm going to do this. No matter what God says or thinks. That was Uzziah's undoing. That good king, Uzziah. And so, looking again here at Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1. In the... In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. When I was at my lowest, I saw the Lord. Sitting upon a throne, a theophany, God showed up. In Isaiah's life, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Thinking about this, I was thinking about Revelation chapter 1, where John sees the Lord in all of his glory. There, standing there, white, gleaming white that you can barely look at. And there are so many sets of scripture that tell us about this holy God that we serve. 
this holy God that now invites us into his presence. And yes, now we can boldly go to the throne. Because now that veil, that, that ruling is broken. And it's not just one man once a year that can go there into the presence of God. But any of us can boldly go to him. Boldly into his presence. But it's our attitude that makes that difference. It's that attitude that can take us into that presence of a holy God. And Isaiah had his encounter with God. Was this the only encounter with God that Isaiah had? I don't know, but it's really the only one that's recorded in Scripture. And can I say this? I, I did a lot of studying uh, about this, uh, about Isaiah, from this set of Scripture. And if you look at the recordings of the prophecies of Isaiah, the messianic prophecies that Isaiah, that there's so many of them, happen after this. I mean, if you, if you look at all of the list of messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, Isaiah's got a lot, the longest list of them. And they happen after this encounter. And every one of us will have an encounter with our God. We may have more than one encounter with our God, but there's going to be at least one absolute change that happens. And for Isaiah, it changed him as a prophet. A train that filled the temple, in verse 2, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain, two that covered his face and two that covered his feet and with two it flew. And one cried unto another and said in verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is what Isaiah saw. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. This happened for one man. 
But something very similar had happened to the children of God. They had come out of Egypt, and they had traveled around a little bit, and they ended up at Mount Sinai. And God told Moses, okay, tell all of the people to sanctify themselves. Go purify yourself for three days. Purify yourself. Get rid of this. Don't do that. And then meet me at the appointed time so many feet away from the base of the mountain. And God thundered on the mountain. And there was smoke and earthquakes. And God spoke to all the people and said, I want to commune with you. How many of them? All of them. And do you know what they said? They went to Moses and they said, just, we, we cannot do this. Exodus, I believe it's chapter 30. I could have the chapter wrong, but it's Exodus. And, and, and the, the people go to Moses and they say, no, 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 no. You go talk to him. You go talk to him. And you come back and we'll listen to you. Did they? No, not really. No. God wanted to have a personal relationship with Israel way back in Exodus. And the glory of the Lord was visited on the dedication of the tabernacle so that the priests couldn't do their job. So God's glory wasn't new to the people of Israel. God's glory had wanted to communicate with his people. God wanted to visit them. God wanted to interact with them. The dedication of Solomon's temple in Chronicles. The glory of the Lord bathed the temple. And everything stopped. Because God was in the house. Go back to the beginning of Exodus. And Moses sees that bush that doesn't disintegrate, but it's still on fire. And Moses goes to check it out. What, what is that? What's causing that? And what does God say to him? Take off your shoes because this is holy ground. And God, this God that invites us into his presence is a holy God. The meaning of the word seraphim in Hebrew is the burning one. The angels, the seraphim, that were announcing who this was. 
This one that was high and lifted up in the train that filled the temple. The seraphim was announcing to Isaiah that he's holy, holy, holy. And their name means the burning one. And they, I believe, continue to announce to the world, to anyone who will listen, that he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And he wants to be a part of our lives. And we have the opportunity to not be like Uzziah at that that encounter that he had with God that changed his life forever too. And when he invites us in, there needs to be a change in our life. We have to be humble to go into the presence of a holy God. We have to know, like Isaiah knew, in the presence of God, that I am undone. I am not what I need to be. Right now, I am broken because this great king that I knew has died. And so, Isaiah's heart was broken. He was devastated. But in his devastation, he had the ability to know and understand that I am not who I need to be. And I don't deserve to be in this. In verse 5, then said I, Isaiah, woe is me. Woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of these people that aren't clean either. We dwell in the midst of a bunch of unclean people. Our society is getting way out of sync with anything that, that would even pretend to come out of this. It's so far out of and anything. What did they say? What did God say about the people in the time of Noah? They did whatever was right in their own eyes. Yeah, that looks good. I think I'll just do that. It's just like it is right now. They do whatever they, whatever they like. I don't like who I am, so, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this. I think that's where I'm going to leave it. What do we do? 
What do we do with our lives? We need to get lined up with him. And it starts with repentance. That's exactly in that aligning. It starts with repentance. Before that, it starts with God drawing us. And that spark of faith turns into, hey, I believe this. And now I need to be different than I am. And we find ourselves repenting before the Lord. And asking him to forgive this mess that we are. No matter what we've done or what we haven't done. Right? I mean, we all haven't done the same things wrong. And it doesn't matter if we're this, what society would label a horrible person. Or if we have been doing the best that we can to be good and and take care of things. But if we're not lined up with God, there is no difference in God's eyes. It doesn't matter. If we're not connected with him and we haven't given ourselves to him, starting with repentance and baptism in his wonderful name, that name of Jesus Christ, where the most miraculous thing happens. What that? That's just a tank of water. Or it's just a river, or it's a lake, or it's a bathtub, or it's wherever it is. Horse tank. It doesn't matter where we meet that water. But what happens in that water is absolutely miraculous. This fleshly person that we are. When we have repented, that fleshly person that we are goes away. Now, Isaiah didn't have that experience, but what did happen to Isaiah was that one of those seraphim flew in verse 6 and flew, and the seraphims came unto me having a live coal in his hand, that burning one, that angel that is able to say, holy, 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 this God is holy, takes a coal from the altar. And he takes it to Isaiah, and he touches his lips with it. And from that moment, he's a different man. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity... Is taken away. And thy sin. Is purged. Now this. Isn't a live coal. From the altar. But what happens. Is the precious blood. Of Jesus Christ. Is applied. And it washes. Sin. Out of our lives. How are things purged? 
In life, things are purged with fire. And Isaiah's life was purged with a coal of fire from the altar. But our lives get purged right here. And from that point on, God wants us to have his spirit and his presence. And when we're in that relationship, we have the ability to do what Uzziah could not do. He could not barge into the temple and offer incense. Would he have ever had a chance to do that? I don't know. Nothing is ever said except for Uzziah was carried out of that temple and he really, he was still king, but his son did everything from then on because he had barged in where he didn't belong, especially in an attitude that didn't go before God. And so if we need to boldly go to the throne, we need to make sure that our attitude is right and that we are going into God's presence, cleansed of everything we can think of to cleanse ourselves from. Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse my heart and my life. And we hear from here, Have any of you ever experienced an angelic visitation? Now, we've heard about some right here. Brother Lamas said that at least at one point in time, there was an angel right there. One tall as a ceiling, just right there, guarding our pastor. And there was one right here that Brother Lama saw. And Brother Lama also told us that there were, what, a, a, a large number, thousands of angels that were dispatched from here into this district. I didn't see that angel. I didn't see that one. I didn't see the dispatching of thousands. I've not ever seen an angel. I remember being in a rally service when I was, I don't know, somewhere in my early 20s. And it was a fellowship rally in the church in Sheridan. Now, again, I didn't see this, but I saw the effect of it. We walked into the back of the church, and we were just a little bit late coming into the service. They were just getting started, and the building was full. It seemed so crowded. But if everyone on this side, well, no, just leave this side the way it is. And this side 
of the church because it was like this two rows in, in the platform. And this side was so crowded, you couldn't have put a piece of paper between any of the people. And this side was sparse like this. And anybody that walked in couldn't sit over here for whatever reason. They couldn't sit over here. And a very dear lady that was there when I came to the Lord in the church, she told us after the service was over, and she had been sitting back in the back here, she told us that everywhere that anyone could have sat, there was an angel sitting there. And Anybody that walked in couldn't sit over there. And it's like, what? God was in the place. His angels had come for a task. And Isaiah encountered the angels of God with a task. To give him cleansing. Because he was undone. And God wants us to respond to his holiness. So as we finish up this Sunday school lesson and we get ready to worship here in this service that's coming up, God wants us to respond to his holiness. And he wants us to cleanse ourselves. And be willing to do and enter into his presence. And from that moment on, Isaiah's life changed. And he made some of the miraculous, so many of the miraculous announcements that he's coming. And this is what it's going to be like. And this is how it's going to happen. And so many prophecies about the Messiah. So many prophecies about Jesus Christ, our King, our God, coming to this earth. And so as we go into this series, we're looking at a holy God and the effect that that holy God can have on our lives. Lord bless you.